Welcome back, audience. This is Reaper here. This is Nian. And uh, Bone Crusher Strawberry Earthquake the Juggernaut. And we are back with another episode of Murphy's Roll. Today, we got a special guest with us, our game master himself, Lucas. Yep, that's me. So, um, what we're doing is, every now and then, we're going to bring a new special guest on from our party or whatnot. And we're just going to kind of just have a random Q&A, how they feel about the session so far, what, how do they feel about what went down, and like, what do you think your character is going to be doing in the future? So, But right with off. our Game Master here today, um, he's going to be doing a little bit more focus on the world, because I'm not, if you couldn't tell too much from our episode one, we didn't know a whole lot about the world, but uh, our lovely Game Master here, who has to deal with uh, our craziness, he... He's going to give a little more explanation. Um, also, probably want to get, you know, we'll also do a little bit of Q&A. Paul also want to get a little more of his uh, experience, you know, kind of kind of get some more tales from him and uh, his dungeon, his uh, D&D experience. So, Lucas, if you will. <laughs> yeah, so, um, I, there's a lot of choices for when it comes to settings in particular. Um, I mean, you can adapt old settings, use new settings. Um, fifth edition is still relatively new, so it doesn't have a whole, whole lot to pick from. Um, the main two ones that they use for fifth edition are usually Greyhawk and, uh, mostly Forgotten Realms. Um, they're, as of this recording, uh, about to introduce a lot more to Eberron, which the Eberron setting is really cool. I always like the concept of Magitech. Um... But there's 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 so many so many different settings that that you can choose from that all have their own, you know, special flavor. Um, but I didn't really have access to any of the uh, sources or anything like that, so I took uh, the it's sort of a default setting from fourth edition. It's called Nintir Veil, vale. uh, and it's. Uh, it was supposed to be like a like an example setting, you know. Like it's not even an actual setting. It's just like, hey, here's a map with some names on it, and just to show you how basic world building works. And uh, as fourth edition went on, they just sort of kept setting adventures in this this setting that they created. So I basically took that and stripped it down, and just sort of organically as I go add stuff to the setting. Um, currently, right now, since, again, I, I always like the concept of, of Magitech, um, my intention with the setting is to kind of show it's almost like um, a industrial revolution. Like, almost how Magitech would have organically evolved in say, Eberron, you know, like, in our world, the, the, you know, Industrial Revolution, you know, built up, and then it changed the world, and that's kind of where I see the timeline within this setting, but, um, yeah, that's, that's where you guys are. That sounds pretty cool, like, whenever the Soul Knife was seeing all the the soul moving around underground after the guy was attacked. I just thought it was some kind of underground animal or something like that. Then out comes this mechanical centipede and it was just 
And I'm just thinking, what did I get myself into? Like, yeah, I'm like, that's very new. I didn't expect anything like that. I mean, yeah, sure, you know, the world has airships and whatnot, but, like, seeing a functional, like, essentially a robot, just, like, a robot with a soul crystal. And it's just, like, something I wasn't expecting. So, I mean, I was really like, oh, oh, so that's where we're going with this. <laughs> Speaking of that soul crystal, is that something nat- naturally from Eberron, or is that your own twist to it? Um, it might be something from Eberron. Um, again, the um, at least for fifth edition, the the sources are still being done. Um, but no, that was just something that that I came up with because, um, it just sounded interesting. Yeah, you it's know, like a robot, but more than just a robot. Right, it's like it's like being able to plug in a pre-programmed, uh, like almost like programming a computer chip, and plugging it into the body. See, and with me being, you know, completely new, being a D and D virgin, like I, I mean, I wasn't surprised. I mean, I, you know, looked played all kinds of games and stuff like that. So I was just like, okay, well, you know, you know, we got a magical, uh, you know, we got a magical snake coming up, and oh, oh we've got a you know, magic power train. I mean, it, to me, like, just, you know, never playing D&D before, you know, this would be my first campaign. Like, it was, I mean, it wasn't too big of a surprise for me. But once again, you know, I was just like, it's my first time. And it's, def- and it's definitely a challenge as a, uh, a GM is, you know, pushing the envelope and, and trying to, you know, show you guys something new every single session. Which, you know, it's hard. But at the same time, you know, if you know where to look, there's, there's so there I mean there's there's decades of resources to look through. You know, like with the train that's from Eberron. I mean, a lot of that stuff it's not unusual. It's not hard to find. It's just looking around and it's just a bunch of pieces that you have to mush together to get a whole co- cohesive game. Okay. And uh like what were some of your other inspirations like um Help me out here. What was the uh, oh the ferrets? What exactly? Like <laughs> outside of like outside of the party, just somehow bring it up, which I don't remember. What made you like? Okay, yes, I really need to do that, and you do it, and you do it. Honestly, that was the craziest luck you guys will probably ever have. <laughs> so, hear me out here. So in my my binder, I have. Most of, because I have the binder in front of me right now, most of this is random tables that I have found from um, versions of Dungeon Magazine. I found a, someone had archived all these magazines. And in some of them, they have fun little tables for you to use for anything. I mean, they're universal. And I rolled on that table, and that's what you guys got. You gotta remember in like 3.5 in the character, in the PHP, there's a certain part where you don't even have to write your own backstory to come up with your own character's quirks, flaws, stuff like that. They had a uh, table, you just rolled the dice and your character could be anything. Yeah, and that's that's largely why I keep them is sometimes, you know, when, when you hit kind of a doldrum in the game flow, which, I mean, it happens, you know, I can just flip through there and be like, and roll a dice, and be like, so four monkeys walk across the street. What do you do? 
I dropped my jaw in shock. Like, what are the hell are these monkeys doing here? Right. And see, right there, something comes from that. Well, if it was our group that happened to, there'd be a lot of monkey business going on. <laughs> yeah, wow. we might have to, you know, uh, hide the monkeys away from Alistair, otherwise he might want to try to take that out and take them as a pet as well. Yeah, so we were, we were, you know, out of recording, making fun of Alistair. Like, how is he going to take that? All right, hold on. I got to stop there because that's spoiler territory. <laughs> Probably just end up gonna end up becoming just a druid. If he multiclass, uh, no, not multiclassing. Just pretending he's a druid. Just, just a barbarian that yeah. pretends he's a druid. Okay, that sounds well, like. Him. That sounds I've fun. seen something recently, a video where there's barbarians, where it was a multiclass oh, yeah. between bards and barbarians. It was a pretty interesting take on the name. Hmm. I can see it happening. So one thing we discussed yesterday and the. Other episodes, the Drow and the Shadow Guy. Did they actually have names? Because we just use nicknames for them. I mean, yeah, Breathbringer. I mean, even if you give me names, yes, Breathbringer is gonna. Don't have, to call have them. my actual campaign notes with me, but um, yes, they they do have names. Like I have, they are planned out. So oh, okay, so it's more to it with the Shadow Man then. Yeah. Oh God, here we go. <laughs> I thought I thought once we left this area that he was going to be done, but apparently I am wrong. Shadow I don't know be because because uh, because Shaw never went back to talk to him. He may decide to follow us. <laughs> we have a stalker now. Great, a Way second go, stalker. Shaw. Hey, look, me and Shadow Man, we homies. All right, I be, I be giving him coins. He be kind of looking at me like I'm stupid, but you know, it's whatever. <laughs> We're friends. Well, if you remember right, he was he was upset that he got cheated. Because he cheated him, because he he gave him the darts as payment, and he lied to him and told him that the darts were family heirlooms. We had a and discussion about that, too. Like, I stay up at night just wondering, what if they really were family heirlooms? He lied. Don't, don't, don't yeah. wonder, like I said, don't wonder if they no family heirlooms. No, they were just garbage. But... Well... I mean... It's 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 understandable. Like if you don't have if you don't have anything that you consider valuable on you, you just kind of bullshit your way through through the transaction. <laughs> well, the way Shaw is, he likes to. He's pretty much a kleptomaniac as well. So of course he's not going to give away valuables. He's going to like, oh, this is trash, but it's a family heirloom. Is Shaw a kleptomaniac as well? Yeah, there's been a couple times he mentioned, oh, it's a good thing I don't have the gold. Oh. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I remember now. I can imagine who, if he did have the gold, that he'd just kind of just up and walk away from the party and we'd never see him again. Or, you know, spend it on just random things that we don't necessarily need. He'd be like, you know what, that cloak looks nice, why not? And then, you know, be like, oh, we needed this for ABCD, or forges on receipts. Because we've had to collect receipts for everything that we've used, and we oh, couldn't yeah. forge fake receipts. That's that's not really an important tidbit, but something just we forgot to mention that all the tra- all we were given a guild f- or we were given a, a, a assignment fund, and for this quest, and we were supposed to collect receipts on everything we bought, which I think you guys pretty well have. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, you know I, I think we've done a pretty good job of collecting all the receipts. Yeah, and it's just like. Who's holding all these receipts again? I think it was Shaw. No, 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 no. It's Kai. It's Kai? Yeah, it's uh, Shim. Shim's carrying all the receipts. It would have been nice if you guys told Abyss Grip about this. He bought that cloth with his own money. 
Like, he's thinking, we are fronting on our own. You guys got all this gold. I bought my apples on my own. That was a personal thing. <laughs> I have bought potions. Well, and we did have to get receipts for those potions before the airship. But no, I have, I have, I'm pretty certain I have bought potions on my own accord with my own money. And it's personal to you guys. Not a lot, but I have bought a couple on my own money. I'll I look- mean, kleptomania can be, you know, a pretty useful thing to have, especially when... You know, you're talking about a world where objects can be world-changing. You know, especially, like, you never know. It might Something might come up. Or they're like, hey, I have exactly what we need. Or but, we just have LSD in a bottle. Right, right there. And that could be, that could prove really, really useful. But at the same time, the implication is that you're in a world that's much more uh, fantastic than the one we live in. And the implications of stealing can sometimes be pretty bad when you're stealing from you know potential entities that can see into your mind and explode you from the inside out oh god i think this is a uh this is some forewarning right here <laughs> or in a even worse case cursed items i played a game where somebody had a sword that caught as soon as he drew it he couldn't stop killing people until either there's nobody around him or he's dead the mm. armor he put on made everybody around him hostile towards him. So he's just going through the entire town, slaughtering it. Uses two wishes off his ring, uh, three wishes, to just wish him away, which is the worst thing you could ever do, just a vague wish. A DM could just run with it. So the DM just decided to give both those cursed items to the cleric who walked into the Temple of Paylor of the same town (laughs) they were in. The cleric almost died when they exploded. Well. Yeah. I, that's. No. You don't do that. But that's the, that's the implication that, you know, stealing can have. You know, that's why as fun as kleptomania can be, an actual thief will probably live longer with more and keep most of their limbs at least because they're probably going to at least have a vague idea of what they're taking and the implications of taking it. But that's probably something someone's going to figure out is the implication of, you know, maybe not necessarily stealing, but swindling and being found out by an entity that's powerful and not super pleased about being messed up. Well, thankfully, no gods have been, like, legitimately introduced yet, right? (laughs) Well, no. So... (laughs) There's not a whole, whole lot of canon for this um, setting, at least not that I I found. And I intentionally kind of kept it vague so that I could, you know, build it up as I went. Um, but one thing that does come from 4th edition that I, it seems I've heard mentioned quite a few times is an event called the Dawn War, where um, the gods and the primordials fought each other and it was it was just cataclysmic and approximately half of the pantheon just died so there's a pretty limited list of gods that are even still alive so uh, I do remember you mentioning that in our first session because you were asking well we were deciding on races and everything and classes you were asking you know consider it was going to be a cleric or when we had our paladin Dwarf, who died in first session, uh, when you asked him about when he was choosing his god, you had to give him a list of gods that were still alive. Right. Okay. 
So, oh, I, I, I was proved wrong. I thought there, I thought there really wasn't any mention of gods yet. I completely forgot about character creation. That's right. Counts. I mean, it's, it's just a super vague reference, and um, I mean, so far no one's really needed to know that information yet. But, and I would suspect that people, you know, within the world really wouldn't even know an event like that really happened. You know, considering it'd be so old, and I mean, when that's those when they get surviving gods, the only gods you know of. You know, you're not going to know that, you know, the, the Pantheon was two times as big as it used to be. But at the same time, I don't think that, I mean, with the exception of one on Crazy Dude, uh, I don't think very many of our party is very spiritual. Or like, you know, or, you know, religious. That's a better word for it. Because, I mean, I know with Birthbringer, like, we have our own beliefs in the Goliath system. Um, we don't really worship gods, per se. And, uh, so, I mean, maybe I'm just speaking out of my ass because it's just, you know, that's how my character is, but... I mean, you're you're definitely not wrong. I think a lot of times, um, gods and deities and, uh, and you know, any kind of high-powered entity like that, I think sometimes they're treated more, almost like how alignment used to be, where it was mostly a mechanical thing, you know, and... One thing about 5th edition is it's a lot... It's much, much more streamlined than the other editions, with the exception of 4th edition, which was too streamlined. But uh, it, it's it's much more streamlined now, and a lot... I, from what I can see, most people are glad that they made the, the um, alignment system pretty much redundant. Um, I mean, you might use it for... Some mechanical places here and there, so you travel to like some outer planes. It could have an effect if that's how the dungeon master decides they want to make it. You know, for instance, if you're lawful and you go to a chaotic plane, you might suffer negative effects. You know, um, that's why I always tell players to at least pick an alignment for that vague eventuality that might come in. Um, and I think gods are you know, mostly held in the same regard, that um, they have some role-play capabilities where, you know, f I mean, maybe you want to become a god. Well, you, maybe you need to murder one and do it, you know, or maybe maybe your character finds spirituality. You know, if you're a cleric and, to another extent, uh, a paladin, you know, you're probably going to have a lot more role-play opportunities with your god. And I think that's something to think about, you know, is how, how does your god view you? Um, and that's definitely something to consider. It's very funny that, you know, you mentioned, you no know, clerics being very spiritual and whatnot, because your class, the battle medic, is basically just a reworked cleric. <laughs> yes, but the thing with the, with the battle medic class, um, with my character's class, is... I don't necessarily have to choose a uh, like a deity or so or belong you know belong to a church. Yeah. What it is is uh there's two different options for the battle medic. Is one yeah you can belong to a church they have an order for the battle medics, but there's also you can be trained by somebody who used to belong to the order who uh you know has been expelled or you know left of their own left militia. Of, yeah left of their own volition and. Um, you know, you can be trained by them. And that's what Birthbringer was. He was trained by uh, 
trained by a battle medic who used to belong to the order. Um, and so it has no role play on his, you know, on his religion or any spirit, spirituality. It has no play on it. I mean, he's, he's, he's faithful and he loves his master, but other than that, I mean, he doesn't follow his, like, his whole beliefs of, you know, religion and everything. So. Well, and also, while we're on the topic of classes, so, I, at the beginning, before we even really had our session zero, which was our character creations and whatnot, I threw at you the original concept of Soul Knife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as I agreed with everyone who I've you know, talked to about that, the Soul Knife is broken. Oh, yeah. So... It can be, yeah. I mean... But then again, it's... Because if I remember right, you got, you got rid of some stuff out of it, too. I got rid of probably 50% of what was there. Right. And... I mean, I haven't been able to tell that it's that broken, other than potentially the site. But even then, it's not really, to me, something that breaks the game. Um, cause I can basically make it as vague as I think it, it ought to be, you know, and especially because, I mean, it is sight and sight can always be impeded, you know, in some way. If it's under the ground, you're not going to be able to clearly see what it is. If it's, uh, cause I don't think you can see through magic darkness, can you? I cannot. Okay. See, that's another thing. You can always, it's something I can still impede if I choose to. Right. Especially if. For instance, someone knows about your character, even though you're as unique as possible. You know, someone who might know about your character could find a way to impede your sight still. So, even then, there's still ways to get around it. Okay. Um, what I was originally getting to before I stopped on that, um, what, as a DM, like, what do you feel you really allow for homebrews? Because, I mean, of course, there are, there's a wide array of homebrews out there. Right. And that, I mean, some just like, oh, hey, this looks really interesting. Can I, like, can yeah. I try this? I, I spend a lot of my time looking through homebrew content. Like, just for anything. You know, magic items, classes, races, and m- almost like 90% of what you see is broken in some way. You know, and that's not always the fault of the creator, you know, intentionally trying to play something that's broken. It's just like, it's not easy. I mean, even, you know, Wizards of the Coast, when they come out with, you know, a new class or race or something like that, it still goes to the Unearthed Arcana for playtesting. You know, like the current Artificer, I think this is like the third version they, they've put on there so far. I'm not, I'm not well-versed in that. Yeah, I, I think the the current one right now, which I think this is the one that's that's going to stay. Um, yeah, the release date's coming up very soon for that. So yeah, because I, I think that's so. coming out with the the new Eberron yep. book coming out. Uh, November eighth, off the top of my head, I think it is. Uh, the new the new uh, Return to Eberron. The new yeah, class, that's it. The new class and um, 16, 16 new races. Um, the reason it's co- reason it says so many new races though is because there's a like a dragon stone or dragon crest or something. Oh, the dragon mark. It's dra- the yes, dragon, it's dragon mark. Yeah, and it alters uh, the original races. Yeah, the dragon marks are really really cool. They're um, they're like a magic birthmark that you can just be born with, and uh, depending on what 
house you're from, you can you can you can get certain birthmarks, these dragon marks, and uh, they can give you all kinds of like crazy powers. They're it's really cool. Like I said, Eberron's a really really good setting. It's very fleshed out, especially if you you know go back in the editions. There's a lot of material for it. Um, that there's there's so many settings that people really want. Personally, I think Dark Sun would be a really cool setting to see. It's kind of an underdog. Not a lot of people know about it, but I think Dark Sun would be something really unique and interesting to see. Um, but yeah. Okay. Um, oh, but you're asking about the, the homebrew stuff. Yes, yeah, so like, like, what, like... So... <laughs> It's hard. It's hard to determine exactly what you should allow, and it really just boils down to just knowing the game, you know, knowing the mechanics, you know, like the the action economy. I mean, I've seen um, some classes come out and they'll let you do like fifty different things. That's it's way too much, you know, and sometimes. People won't give them enough where it doesn't feel like you're really get you're really creating a clash you're just maybe reflavoring an old one which is always a good option i always tell people if you have some kind of crazy idea you know try to rework it into a current class because it'll just be easier on you you know um now that being said i do have stuff um that i have set aside that i've already pre-approved so nothing in the player's handbook or the other expanded source books looks good, I still have other options for players. You know, because I, personally, I'm the kind of person that I like, um, I like a million options. You know, I want to know every possible option before I, I, I make, like, a character. You know, so that's what I try to give my players, is I want to give you every possible option I can get. You know, I think in my, my binder that I use, I have uh, the Blood Hunter the uh i think i have almost all the stuff that matt mercer created i found a cook class that i really liked and it seemed you know pretty balanced there's <laughs> there's one that called a murder hobo a murder hobo no it's an it's it's an actual murder hobo class like you are a drunken murderous homeless person <laughs> well that's already essentially what the players are that's the no, no, no. this one this yeah. one is actually built around that wow i mean i've seen a lot of drunken characters nobody really has a home because you just travel all over the place killing everything you see so i guess they were on the right track why not make this an actual class yeah yeah someone made that and i was like that I, I had to have that one um but yeah, I, I have pre-approved stuff that, again, I've looked through and really scrutinized the mechanics and it it seemed pretty balanced, so I put it in there for players to use. So, um, going on to my battle medic class then, I mean, what did you think about that when I originally brought that to you? Um, it seemed fine. I mean, like I said, it didn't appear to be too broken. Um, like you said, it's it's kind of a, a, a way to reflavor the the cleric as being um, like secular, you know. It's the it's and and I think that's definitely something that 
I think a lot of players do want. You know, is it's like, I want to heal, but I don't want to have to play a cleric. You know, which, I mean, there's, there is other options for that. But, you know, I think people want a, like a medic or like a, a surgeon or something like that. I mean, again, this is stuff you can always find in homebrew. But I think it is something that I think a lot of players do want is, you know, like a medic or something like that. And I, you know, I mean, it'd be really interesting to see something like that combined with, say, like an alchemist from the Artificer. You know, I think that would be a pretty cool synergy right there. So, but yeah, it's not too bad. Making potions and poisons. Yeah. 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 I mean, kind of like uh, if you've ever played uh, Overwatch, there's that... Uh, Brigitte? No, it's a... She, well, she's the one with the flail and heals. It's kind of like... You probably how... mean Anna. No, I mean... Uh, or Moira. 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 Yes. Yeah. Moira. You know, she has One the... hand gives and the other takes. Exactly. Yeah. Her finishing move is like a Kamehameha. Uh, <laughs> that heals and hurts. So it's the Dragon Ball Evolution command, man. Doesn't help just that she, ruined it. she Naruto runs. Yeah, true that as well. Like, pretty much everybody agrees that she's up like a bunch of weeb jokes all rolled into one. Yeah. Sounds like best girl to me. <laughs> yeah, she's... <laughs> no, no, it's okay. I, I, I'll keep my, uh, I'll keep my, uh, Sombra. Hmm. Or Ash. Okay, we're getting off D and D. We're moving to uh... yeah, we're getting off topic. So let's return back to our Q and A session. Um, but while we're on the whole subject of gods and stuff, that statue—the only reason I'm connecting it to the gods because a biscuit just pulled a name out of his ass and said it was the goddess of puzzles. Mm-hmm. So what was that statue actually? Because we just said, screw it, let's break it, and then completely forgot about it. Mm, the, the, like, hypnotizing statue. Um, so it's, it's, it's basically a trap, is what it is. You, it's, it's supposed to be like, uh, like a lure. So the, the concept is you set it up, and... It it kind of digs into your 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 psyche and it, it digs into something that you it knows that you will react to, whether it's something you're afraid of or something you want or something you know, something you know it knows you will come to. Such and as um when Kai heard the crying of uh, one of our former um, test test subjects, right, and right, it it digs into that, you know, what, and it might it could be anything, but the idea is it's it's like a psychic lure, and the idea was to bring it in, bring someone into the the undergrowth just far enough for them to then be ambushed. Oh, so there was an ambush waiting. We just happened to uh, yeah. avoid it. <laughs> yeah, everybody managed to avoid it pretty well. But that's what was going to happen. Well, it sure is a good thing Chris didn't know walk in that direction. He would have been mauled. Right, and that was a concept. Is either one of y'all get captured or he gets captured. So, but luckily you guys managed to get through it. 
Threat of capture is another reason why we don't split the party, but we do that a lot anyway. We 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 brought that up before, like it 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 is a kind of almost like an uns, an unspoken rule. Don't split the party. It's common sense. Yeah, I mean it's it's really common sense. But we're very and bad yet, sense. right? You know, yeah. it's it's like you see you watch horror movies all your life, and as soon as they split up, you're like you are all going to die. You guys learn this from Scooby Doo. And here you are doing it anyways. <laughs> and we're not good with common sense. There was a guy with fifteen, his squad of fifteen knolls, and I just charged him. Right. What set you claim, homie? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, even in real life, you know, it's 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 those things you don't think about, you know, because why would you? You know, you hear someone crying in the bushes. You're like, well, maybe someone's hurt. Well, no, probably not. You're I, probably about to get murdered. That's when you just turn off the flashlights and just witch. Just left for <laughs> dead. everybody. Yes. I hear a witch. <laughs> but uh, it's those lapses in common sense that, that makes those traps work. And even then, I mean, that's part of designing encounters like that is... I guess the way I see it is I look at encounters like that as being sort of natural and organic. You know, there's a group of gnolls that need to get this dwarf. And they know you guys are protecting it. So they're going to use that lure to get the drop on you guys and get him. And that's going to happen no matter what happens. So either you guys save him and you all resist it and keep going, which is what happened. Or one of y'all comes in and gets ambushed one by one. Because it'll be one of you, and then they'll be like, okay, I'll go in after him. And you just sort of, you know, drip in like that. And then they get him. And then the party's like, where are they at? Right. Because um, my character in Shower would be at the uh, would be at the work site. I was like, where's everybody at? Right. And that, would, and that would be what happens. And I was still in town, so it was just Alistair and Kai with him. But that's, that's part of designing those encounters is, you know, I'm not exactly playing against you guys, but I need to think about what, how to accomplish my goal, you know, as the character. A character, one of, my, one of my NPCs needs to achieve a goal. So how am I going to do that? You know, and the trick is, is you know, that's, that's how you successfully split up the party, is you, you figure out, well... How would I actually split up the party? You would use traps. You would use area of effect stuff. You know, anything to split, to pull you guys, stretch you out thin. And then you pick off each one individually. Because that's what you really would do. You know, it's... I mean, that's how you you design those encounters. That's what the predator does. Right. And it makes sense. You know, it's... Again, it's common sense. Alright, uh, what time are we? Okay, uh, we're at 30 minutes as of now, so um, I think we should wrap this up because we actually have to go uh, go and get ready for our actual session today. So, one last thing I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. Today is your last session as our DM. You are moving out of state for personal yes. reasons. Yes. One, mm-hmm. you mentioned that this was also your first time being an actual DM. Yeah, pretty much. Is there any advice you could also give to 
uh, new DMs if they decide to start playing? Oh, man. Um, I think the biggest rule is have fun and try to make sure everyone's having fun. Um, don't forget that you are a player as a DM. You know, you're just you're playing a different part than the players are. Um, look around online for, for resources. There's, there's so, so much resources to use. Um, don't be afraid to wing it. That's the, that's the biggest secret to being, to DMing, I swear, is just being really good at winging it when you need it. That's why I have all, all the random tables. You know, if I don't know what to do, there's probably a table to fix that. Um, don't be nervous. You you can do it. I see people online talk about being nervous. You know, you you can do it. It's it's not brain surgery, which might not be hard, but it, everybody says it's hard, so I presume brain surgery is pretty difficult. But um, anyone can do it. I promise anyone can do it. Just look around a lot. Read the Dungeon Master Guide. That's like, I think one of the coolest things in the Dungeon Master Guide is the charts where it shows you how to like randomly make a dungeon. Has everything in it. You just roll dice on the tables until you're done. That's the coolest thing ever. I have so many, I have a whole bunch of them here in my binder that I just set and just make out of boredom. You know, but... You know, just read a lot. Look a lot online. There's so much resources. You know, especially like for past editions. I mean, that's really, really good material you can use. But, yeah, just the biggest rule is have fun. Make sure everybody's having fun. Do what you can. All right. And uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. Again, we have uh, another engagement to be. Lucas, thank you so much for being our DM and for being here today. Well, it's been it's been really awesome. You guys are you never forget your first. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a nice way to put it. <laughs> Maybe we should take our minds out of the gutter for a minute. <laughs> I mean if we have to. It's the best way But to it's been you guys have been pretty great and I've learned a ton in the short time that I've gotten to play with you guys and I'll learn more and get to share that with you guys too. All right, and hopefully, you know, someday you may come back and we may run another game with you. Very well, mate. Hey, if you ever come to visit, you know, we'll let you uh, come and uh, be our guest DM. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, like, or, uh, like, that's uh, always fun. Or if we need, or if we have to, just to run a one-off. Yeah, run-offs are nice. One-offs are nice. It gives It'll us start a, all the players at 15. It yeah. gives him the ability, more flexibility to throw more dangerous stuff. But if you decide to run us through Dungeon Land, I'm saying no. <laughs> oh man, I've thought about that too. Infinite Dungeon. I already read. Just put it in my hat and say no. <laughs> oh yeah, no. I don't know what Dungeon Land is, but I'm down. Oh yeah. Think uh, Alice in Wonderland, but everything's trying to kill you. Everything wants you dead. Sounds like fun. And everything is very, very mean. <laughs> it's an it's an old uh, thing I, I I watched a while ago. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the uh, 
the guy uh, Noah Antweiler. He goes by Spoonie. Mm-hmm. He used to do. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if he really does it anymore, but he used to have like this little D and D segment he would do called Counter Monkey, and that's why I watched mm-hmm. his video on it. And I watched. I'm just like, oh my god, that sounds horrifying. I have to check that. It sounds interesting. I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm, I'm at, since I'm taking over as DM from you. I've been watching his videos again, kind of you no, know, like religiously trying to pick up you no know, hints and stuff there. And that's and that's good. Just you know, because that's that's how I learn pretty much everything. Is I go through tons of material and then just sort of distill that into what I need. And that's basically what I've done. I mean, there's so like I said, there really is a lot of resources. There's a ton of YouTube channels. Uh, I mean, there's literal decades of just official material alone, you know, to go through. And that's all, you know, available from various places. You can you can find it, you can get it, and there's a lot of good stuff there. All right. I think this is a good spot to wrap up, guys. We've already said we're leaving twice, so <laughs> let's not leave these people on too much. Fair enough. All right. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Murphy's Roll. Thanks for listening.